have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the hard work, for the dedication of the individuals who have served our country, uh, Lord, in the military and, and been out there. Uh, Lord, it doesn't matter on the front lines. Usually it takes at least 10 soldiers to put, uh, put and supply the one that's on the front. And, uh, Lord, we understand that. We thank you, though, for all of them who gave of their life, of their time, uh, and of their sacrifice to serve. And, God, they may not have even under, understood what you were doing with them now, with them at that time, and what you want to do with them now. And, Lord, many times we don't understand how we need to be the type of American that somebody would be willing to die for. But Lord, we want to we use this moment on the Sunday before Veterans Day to, rem, to remind ourselves of that and to, Lord, to be challenged, to be inspired, to live a life uh, that will glorify you in the end. And so, Father, I pray you'd help us do that today, even as we look into Psalm 24 together. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, let me also say... You know, we've got our Living Faith Bible Institute. New classes will start in January. I will be teaching that semester a class on um, uh, systematic theology is what the catalog name of it. Really, it's a survey of theology uh, because we will go through and we will give you the sound doctrine behind our biblical discipleship and behind those lessons as well as covering those areas of doctrine not covered in in our discipleship lessons so as i mean as far uh, as far as i know i will be teaching it from here on saturdays it'll be live streamed to midtown and to other uh, churches and places other students that that will be taking that class you don't have to take it for a class i mean while you're there you ought to anyway because it's so cheap and i'm such an easy teacher uh, you know, easy grading. Um, so you ought to, but if you just want to come for it, just come out on, as far as I'm concerned, come out on Saturday and all it is is Bible. So let's get the truth together. Psalm 24, you know, there's a reason uh, why God lays claim to this world and to everything that's in it. And the reason is because he created it. So it is God's claim that he holds the patent to three significant things. God holds the patent to our universe. God holds a patent to this planet, and God holds a patent on your life. And we, when we're talking about the will of God for your life, it encompasses three areas, eternity, this planet, and you. And because God is the engineer of this world's existence, he calls all his created things to worship him, after all, you're grazing on his pasture, you're benefiting from breathing his air, you're living on his land, so God gives a call to us all. This morning, our goal is to find out who will heed that call, and you know, we don't expect those who are not God's children to obey that call. I mean, they should obey, but uh, it is understandable that by reason of their acceptance of the devil's rebellion and Adam's sin then they do not obey this call. Uh, but the sad, I think the very sad thing is that so many of God's own children do not heed the call to make worship central in their life, worship of him. And yet all of history is going to wind up one day at one point, all of history is moving toward just one goal, one day history is going to consummate, there will be a climax and an end to history as we know it. 
So here's our thesis for today's study. All of history will conclude at one central point. And that point is God being glorified by all his creatures and creation. So the end of time is when all is glorifying God. And because you are created in God's likeness with an eternal soul, you will be contributing to that conclusion. Some of us will be glorifying God by fitting into his purpose for us for eternity. You know, some people will be glorifying God from their chosen position in hell. Nah, that's just because they choose their own destiny. They choose not to accept the righteousness of Christ that gives them everlasting life, so they suffer everlasting death. It's not just exile. It will be your eternal payment for the infinite sins against the holy God. And Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11, they're on your handout. Philippians 2 says that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I want you to notice right now, your knee will bow and your tongue will say praise and your mouth will shout hallelujah. You will exclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? So that God is glorified. Where? Well, you know, it doesn't matter. Here or there, it doesn't matter. When time stops, then everything in heaven does this. When history ceases, everything on earth does this. When the conclusion comes, even if you are under the crust of this planet, your worm will cry out, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the only difference is that those who believe on Jesus for everlasting life right now, we are the volunteers. Those in hell will be doing it, but they will be doing it by conscription. I mean, I should be doing it now and not waiting for the conclusion. Personal worship should be, as Psalm 24 will teach us, it should be your current life function. Why? Well, just ask David, verse 1, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So now the church age that we live in right now is going to be followed by the tribulation, and we're about to see that in our study of the book of Daniel. We'll be in chapter 7 next time, uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, and ultimately it will be concluded by the second advent. And if you'll look on your handout at Zechariah 14, that is the moment, verse 9, that the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day, the second advent... Shall there be one Lord and his name one? Advent season starts next month to commemorate Christ's first coming. Even though, just like Brian was saying, some of you have your Christmas tree up already. It ain't even Thanksgiving. Some of you are still playing Christmas music. And okay, I, you know, it's because we're excited. We want to celebrate 
the advent of Christ. But this psalm is a coronation psalm for the second coming of Christ. And he will come and be earth's king because verse 2 says he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Now, verse 2 is a lot of things here. But it is also your salvation experience in miniature. So when you got saved, God laid a foundation, your relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the incarnate word of God. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. After you got saved, God wants to establish you in the Bible, which is the inscripturated word of God, Colossians 2 7, 2 Thessalonians 2 17. So now a sea is something that has tides, but it doesn't really move. A flood, on the other hand, is moving water because it is following a channel. It is following a course. Some of you have been founded, but you are not flowing. So you are saved, but you've never yet been established through discipleship. So here are the lessons on how you can revive your worship. How will you revive your worship? Number one, you revive your worship if you are both founded by getting saved and then established by being discipled. You were one gooey mess when God got hold of you. Uh, Don't feel bad, so was I. But one day, the Spirit of God moves upon the face of your void existence, and you believed on Jesus for everlasting life. You made Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord. And God, on that day, separated the light from the darkness for you, and you were founded on solid rock, the solid rock of Jesus. But have you gotten in the flow since then? Are you part of the rising flood of the Spirit of God so that the water of life is accessible through this church to this city? Now, can I just tell you something? You guys must have been praying. You know, we had our pastor's retreat a couple of weeks ago, and and we came back, and I, I don't know, but I think we found the solution. And we had to find the solution because our ministries are the last, best, biblical values ballast that your kids have. I mean, we're the last hope. You you know, you and I both know how our society has changed. And, and we are not currently giving out in our public school system a biblical worldview. I mean, I've been, pre- I've been you know, on a charter school board for a couple of decades. I've seen the same changes that you have. But the strong suit of our church is the fact that we are the last bastion of Judeo-Christian values for the children you bring here, our Harvest Kids, our Awana. And they are not just getting Bible. They're not just hearing Bible stories. They're not just memorizing the Bible. They, from that, they are being taught a worldview from the Bible that gives them the values of God to live by so that we do not become Mogadishu. Man cannot live by seawater alone. Christians cannot glorify God by just being founded alone. 
You need both foundation and floods in order to provide what our country desperately needs. Well, but let me bring it home. Halloween night, Kansas City, Kansas, mass shooting, one dead, six injured, all teenagers because some adult couldn't crash their party. Chicago, same night, 14 shot, including three children in a drive-by that was all done in three seconds. Listen, if you don't know the answers, you better ask somebody. God holds the patent because God has the answers and we will provide the solution beginning with your kids. Who will be the floods to our community, our kids, your corporation? God does not check with the local civil engineer to find out what is, what is the groundwater like and where is it going to... No, the Holy Spirit checks with you. He put you there. That is where he wants to flow. You know, the problem is some of us are just like Brush Creek. We spend millions of dollars on renovation. We got a river walk that, you know, looks all right. I mean, it's not San Antonio, but it looks all right. But the flow of the water is polluted. And this is our first point for study. If your life is an open sewer like that, you cannot glorify God by any external system of worship. And that is why we are the key. That is why this church is the key for your kids and for our community. And I don't know what other pastors and other churches are calling people out there to do, but I know what we will be called to do in here. And that's why the greatest work that you can do is what you do with us right here next year. Because at the bottom line, let me hit you with the definition, worship is your verbal confession to recognize the purpose of God for eternity and actualize it in your personal experience. And that is why personal worship and personal revival both intersect because what we do here and what we are calling you to do with us this next year intersect with your reasonable worship. Well, you know, Alan's too far to go to that church. You know, I mean, I like your praise team and all, and I like the kids' ministry, but my, my, kids, my kids really like the kids' ministry, but it really is too far to drive. I mean, I'll drive that far to work, and even in rush hour, but don't ask me to do it for Jesus or you. And God says, we, look at you. you. You covered my ground with your concrete so you could get around. You put carbon monoxide in my air by your transportation. And then you cut down on my trees that are transforming it into oxygen and you can't gather for church or a class or a harvest team or an activity or an outreach or to be discipled or do ministry? I mean, no wonder this planet has a headache. It's you. So the question is raised in verse three, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? Historically, the Lord's Hill was the southeast section of Jerusalem. It's a little mountain called Moriah by Abraham and called Zion by David. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was taken to the most holy place. But there's a question in verse 3, who can make it up here? 
Now, if you look on your handout at Isaiah 57, Isaiah gives us the answer in verse 13. But he that putteth his trust in me, God says, shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And I will admit to you, what is happening in Eastern Europe is the scariest thing in the world. It's going to spread to Western Europe because winter's on the way. What is happening, what may happen in the South China Sea is the scariest thing in the world. What could come next out of a lab or a market is the scariest thing in the world. What is happening with violence and suicide in our city is the scariest thing in the world. What is happening with dysphoria and family dysfunction is the scariest thing in the world, and we have the only way to solve it. David was obsessed with worship on a personal level because that solves it. Who shall ascend your hill? Who's going to get up off of that thing? Get out of that bed, come to church on Sunday. Who's going to greet people? Who's going to work with our kids? Who's going to run the sound? Who's going to run the live stream? Who's going to lead in praise? Who's going to help with the invitation? Who loves God enough to climb higher into a more intimate relationship with Jesus? Who really wants revival today? You know, I think we get it so backwards. Because we we think, oh, i got to pray to God so he'll send revival. So he'll send down revival. No, maybe you need to climb the hill so you can grab it. You know, we all want to think that, oh man, the book of Acts needs to happen again. No, I think you need to start working the book of Acts. Let me hit you with this definition. Holiness means to sufficiently set yourself apart. It doesn't mean sinlessness. It means to set yourself apart for God's mission so that your hands are ready to serve him because they're cleansed. So worship your verbal confession to the mission of God, your life in this church actualized in your personal experience. That's number one. Number two, you revive your worship when you are going higher. When you're not praying for God to send down revival, you're willing to climb the hill. And I understand there's something to be said for stable consistency, but I'm sure that you would agree. If you're growing, you got to change. There has to be a change where there is growth, because otherwise, if you do not, you stagnate and you stunt the growth that occurs. Now, let me illustrate that irrefutable idea. Do you know that Centuries ago, in Japan, they used to take the little girls and they used to tie their feet up uh, in a type of a shoe and they never changed it and they never let it get any bigger. bigger, And they, they ended up walking around with club feet when they grew up. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Do you make your kids wear the same shoes from second grade through fifth grade? I trow not. I don't think you do. I think you change them. Who shall ascend? This is how we climb for revival. Four things, verse 4, four things. First, he that hath clean hands. Now, that's doctrinally going to be true in the faith and work system for the Jew in the coming tribulation, but these are also four good rocks, handholds for you to grab onto as you climb this hill. And the first qualification has nothing to do with ivory soap, 
Because God's not asking even for sinlessness. If you could be sinless, then Jesus didn't have to die. God is telling you to cleanse your hands in the book and in the blood. And what you learn as a child is this. Your activity is obvious to your mama by what's on your hands. And you step in the back door and the first thing she says is, show me your hands. Oh no, you gotta go, I I see what you've been doing. You gotta go wash those hands. It's always on your hands. It's sometimes on your face. So holiness doesn't mean sinlessness, but it means you are gonna be set apart. You are to have a holiness in this world derived from the fact that the promises in God's book are being applied to your life as you trust him and serve him in this church. Now watch, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. You don't have to be perfect, but you need to be perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, let me open a window on that word because when they, had, when they had the Reformation in England and Oliver Cromwell led the armies that overthrew the monarchy and really established a Reformation mindset. And uh, so he came to power and the monarchy had wiped out the treasury and uh, they took with them all the silver, all the gold. They had, no, they had nothing to mint money with. And somebody said to him, you know, the only silver left is in the statues of the saints in the churches. And Cromwell's reply was, well, then let's melt down the saints and put them back into circulation. Now, I don't see why you didn't get that because the only saints there are are ones who are in circulation. You are to be becoming saints because you're in circulation. Saints are not people who are dead and somehow you worship or pray to. No, do you set yourself apart? Who do you set yourself apart to? It is in the midst of this that we hear David say, if you will not, then you cannot. You will always dwell in the lowlands until you cleanse your hands. Not unscarred hands. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. It means you are obedient. It means you are perfecting the holiness God is giving you. Are you willing to adjust your life? Are you willing to get grounded in the word and then keep growing? Now, there are other key things in this verse that are critical to worship. Watch verse four, he that hath a pure heart. So hands deal with your external activity and ministry and then pure heart deals with your internal motivation. You know, the Pharisees had all the externals right, but they went around, I mean, they went around with their radio tuned to Christian stations. They're just chanting the word of God, the word of God. And, And Jesus says to him in Luke chapter 12, verse one, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So a pure heart is critical to worship. And that means it is absent hypocrisy. So if your hands are dirty, cleanse them with the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, with the promises of the word of God. If your heart is not pure, correct that with the test of service. Now there's a third critical area to qualify you, verse 4, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity. 
Vanity means uselessness. To lift up your soul means that's what you trust in. So let me hit you with this definition. To lift up your soul to vanity means you're trusting in anything or anyone else besides God. That is useless. You see it in our society. It's useless. You know, and, we, you know, and as Americans... You know, I, I, the election is this week, and, you know, and I'm scrolling through all these, you know, you, we all get these ads, and ads on the TV, and then, then you get news stories, and, you know, so I'm scrolling, there's this news story about how divided America is. No, that's kind of like we've, that's kind of America. I mean, I, I don't know when you woke up, but that's kind of, you need to be woke on this, that's kind of America. We've kind of always been that way. I mean, we've been a two-party system since the system really started going and, you know, working. And, you know, it's just kind of like that. And, you know, so we, but, 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 we, you know, we put our, we lift up our soul and we trust in something other than God. And we think that's going to work. Oh, all right. How is that working for you? I don't care what party you're for. They've both been in power at different times. How did that work for you? Psychology, psychotherapy, how's that working for you? Well, you know, I don't just trust them, I take drugs. Okay, how's that working for you? I don't, you know, I don't know if Missouri's going to legalize marijuana or not, but uh, okay, uh, ask, ask Colorado, how's that working for you? Uh, I'm not saying it's, it's any worse, I, but I don't think anybody's saying it's better. It's just, you know, so it is what it is. Okay, how's that working for you? Well, that's vanity. It's it's useless. See, worship does not compete. It consumes. Do not lift your heart to things that do not matter. Vote, vote your conscience. You know, vote your beliefs. Okay, do that. Be patriotic and vote. But don't lift your heart to things that do not matter. Do something of significance with your life. You could have done something of significance, but you lived all this time and it's all been wasted. Wasted. I mean, we got kids to save. We've got a city to save. And it's been wasted. And you know what? That's okay to this point. I'm going to say that God even winks at that until today. Because I understand and he understands you didn't have a pastor calling you to this. You didn't have a church calling you to do this. You never had that before. I understand that. But now you found us and there's hope. Do not waste it from now on. This is the only correction. This is what we've got to do together in 2023. So what are you going to do based on who you trust? Here's a fourth key that's critical. Verse 4, who hath not sworn deceitfully. And that means telling God that you're going to do something that you do not follow through on. So it means a day like today. When I'm going to say there should be emotional response, you ought to have an emotional response. But if you don't follow through on that emotional response, you've sworn deceitfully. So to qualify, you've got to have four things to operate with us this next year. This is how you go higher in worship. You've got to be cleansing the outside. You're not, you know, we will never be totally clean until our flesh is dead because sin dwells in our flesh. But in the meantime, 
we can be trusting. We, we can tr be trusting in the faith of Christ in our flesh so that we're cleansing. The outside, you got to come correct. On the inside, you got to serve in confident usefulness with us here. You, and you got to communicate truth wherever you go. So if you want to say that you're going to get right, do it. If you say you're going to break a relationship off, it's no good for you, do it. If you say you're going to get baptized, do it. If you say you're going to sign up for discipleship, do it. You say you're going to tithe, okay, let's do it. You say you're going to get involved, so do it. What benefit comes from all of that? Verse 5, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. I mean, don't you want that? Do we not want that? Worship is never a waste. Just like the word of God never returns void, Isaiah 55, 11. His word will always do the work and a blessing awaits the one who worships God. Now watch, what kind, what kind of blessing are we talking about, Alan? Verse five, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. That means the experience of righteousness. That means a changed way of living. That means a changed personality. You need to stop doing you, and you need to stop being you, and you need to let the Holy Spirit of God change you as the Word of God does the work, because only that solves the current dysfunction of your life. And only you living in an experience of righteousness will keep you from falling into greater dysfunction in this life. And some of you right now, in the last year, your life's been changed. I mean, there used to be a knife in your hand, now, there, now there's a twinkle in your eye. And somebody was telling me just before service, man, it was like this, and then you've been preaching on worship, now it's like that. And God has ministered to you because you worshiped, and then you started ministering for God because you responded with blessing and with renewed character, saving you with his righteousness. And this ought to be, this next verse, I think, ought to be the theme verse for 2023, as we make the changes necessary to not stifle the Holy Spirit's momentum and to continue to grow. Verse 6, this is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face. Do we have that generation in here? I mean, we're going to have to know before we can make some of the commitments we need to make to solve our space problems and our problems. We have collisions between ministry and people. You remember, you remember the early church whenever Herod threw Peter in prison after, after Passover and before Easter in Acts 12, verses 4 and 5? And I mean, they prayed and they thanked God for being the, the privilege of being recognized as real. That is worship revival. It's not reality TV, it's reality truth. And I want you to notice something about verse 6 because God gives you a special name. As you do this, if you will do this, God gives you a special name. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. He calls you Jacob, seeking God's face. He calls you deceiver. He calls you schemer. We are not Generation X. It is not Gen Z or millennials. We are all J, 
the Jacob generation. But even Jacob is called Israel, which means prince with God. So Jacob may have been a schemer, but he had one thing going for him. He would not let go until God blessed him. That is worship. All night long, they wrestled, Genesis 32. Ten years I've been here, and we have wrestled. Parking on the street every Sunday, shuttle from a lot. Used to be the school, now it's Copper Oaks. Building less than half the size of our congregation. Trying to get adults going and still keep the kids going. Wrestling with harvest kids in an echo cave. And the youth not being able to meet on Sunday anymore with us. And the college overflowing. Wrestling. It has been Jacob and the angel of the Lord. You know, at one point in that battle, God even inflicted a wound. Not a mortal wound, but something that Jacob lived with the rest of his life, you know, like COVID. Something that reminded him. I mean, if you stop and think about the people we've lost in the last three years, but then let it remind you of when you wrestled with God and at that moment, your, the strength of your mortal flesh was touched. It was weakened. You might even say it was broken. But you know what? God blessed him. And God became the strength in his weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, because he did not let go. I mean, I want you to grab God just like that. As we end this year and we begin 2023 because the angel of the Lord really wants to be held by you. How badly do you want to hold him? So now in verses 7 to 10, as we close, the choirs separate. They sing antiphonally. They they go in around. Lift up your heads, verse 7, O ye gates. And be lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. The king of glory comes through heaven's gates, and the king of glory will come in if we worship. Verse 8, who is this king of glory? Somebody explain it to me. Well, David says, I'll break it down like a fraction. Verse 8, it's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. I mean, it's the one who knows how to fight and he doesn't know how to lose. Let that king in. Let in the king who fights your battles. Let in the king who's strong and mighty. Let in the king who can take out vengeance for you. Let in the king who can control all circumstance. Lift yourself up and let that king in. I mean, the inanimate objects and the doors will lift themselves. The gates will raise their heads. But will you raise yourself to this task? Verse 10, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory, Selah. He is the shepherd king of the universe. There are hundreds of thousands of spirit beings and they serve him full time. God doesn't need you. This verse says he's the Lord of other hosts. But our job is to get in on what is already going on because he wants you to hold on. Hold on until you won't let him go without a blessing. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to do that this next year? Does he not deserve to be worshipped like that by you?
Even a Jacob can do it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. He does not want to be let go, but you got to cleanse your hands. I mean, they don't have to ever be totally clean. You've got to be cleansing them. You've got to be perfecting holiness. You've got, you got to correct your heart. You've got to be confident in his plan, both for you and for us. And you've got to communicate truth. If you, if you want that for worship, then stick around here. Stay with us. I don't know what they can offer you anyplace else. I'm offering you that today. Because I am saying, open those doors, open those four doors, and revival will come in. And let's start working with our kids, and let's start working with our youth and our college for them to be the generation of them that seek his face with us. I mean, all any of us are is Jacob's. That's who he wants to hold him. Will you dwell forever with him? Today is the day you can make sure that you will. I mean, I wouldn't close today without giving you an opportunity to initiate personal worship. So if you've never yet trusted Jesus for eternal life, I'm going to ask you to make that move today. I'm going to ask you to trust him right now. As we sing and afterwards, we'll have people up here in the front our altar workers, altar counselors, I'm going to ask you to make that move. Come here to the front. Talk to them. Let them pray with you. Maybe there are other things you need prayer for. But at the bottom line, all you've got to do is pray. All you've got to do is say, God, all, you, all you've asked me to do is to believe on your son. I mean, that's all you're asking me to do. So I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. I believe, so I receive. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. God, make me born again right now. Put me in Christ. Put the Holy Spirit in me. Let me walk with you from here on out. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Go ahead and stand if you would so we get ready to let the praise team send us out singing. And if you prayed that and gave Jesus your life, will you come up here and let us know? I want to give you a copy of my book on next steps for new believers. If you get fed and attend here, I mean, you ought to be a member here. And if you, know, if you just, if all you did was fill out a connection card or even if you give, that does not automatically make you a member. So come up and let us know. If you've been saved, but you need to be scripturally baptized, you want to get in on that next time that we do baptisms, come let us know. Next Sunday, we'll be back in our series on Daniel, doing one chapter at a time. So be here and bring somebody so that we can give you a roadmap through all of this mess right to the coming kingdom.